are listening to the podcast of the White Church at the Elk River YMCA in Minnesota. Our mission is to seek Jesus, connect together, and share His love. JC is going to read for us this morning and read to us these first six verses of Second John. To the lady chosen by God and to her children whom I love in the truth, and not only, but also all who know the truth. Because of the truth which lives in us and will be with us forever. Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and from Jesus Christ, the Father's Son, will be with us in truth and love. It has given me great joy to find some of your children walking in the truth, just as the Father commanded us. And now, dear lady, I am writing you a new command, but one we have made from the beginning. I ask that we love one another, and this is love, that we walk in obedience in his commands. As you have heard from the beginning, his command is that you walk in love. Well, good morning. It is my pleasure to be with you today. Your church has been a blessing to us in many ways as we have started up this year. Just our connection with Esther and Bjorn and visiting you guys last year is certainly an encouragement on our journey in church planting. And we have been thrilled to join this movement of church plants within YMCAs. So God bless what you guys are participating in here, and thank you for your prayers for us. Well, I want to start us off with a question this morning. Do you have a favorite spot to take a walk? In Minnesota, we love our walks, right? We take advantage to be outside anytime it's nice. And a walk is like a nice, sensible activity. And Minnesotans love that too. It's good for you. It's free. You'll be able to chat with your neighbors. There's nothing more Minnesotan than a good walk. Well, maybe you have a favorite state park or hiking trail you like to do, especially in this beautiful fall weather. Or maybe you're more of a city walker. Do you enjoy window shopping or people watching? So we're going to take a vote. Are you more of a nature walker or are you more of a city walker? Okay, so you have to decide. So who are my nature walkers? Raise them up. Oh, that's a lot. Okay, who are my city walkers? I'm more of a city walker. Oh, I got a couple friends in the back. Wow. Maybe it's because Elk River is so beautiful. I mean, I could see that. All right. Well, today we are looking at this tiny book of Second John, and it's just 90 years after Jesus had ascended, John takes this idea of a walk to teach this house church how to live as Christ followers. And you guys are in this series called Healthy Rhythms, and as a church, you've been looking at wisdom from the New Testament about Christ-like living, such as healthy families and healthy conflict. And today we're going to consider a healthy walk, but not just exercise, but the love and truth of God permeating our lives and the rhythm of walking with God through the joys and challenges of life. So let me pray for us as we get into God's word. God, we are grateful for the gift of your word. We're grateful for your spirit that is with us, that helps us to understand, that helps us to change our lives. God, we thank you for this community of believers here at the Elk River Y. Bless us as we learn your truth today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, as we look at John 
together. In verse 1, we have an explanation of the author and the audience, and that, that's a good place to start. And so the elder to the lady chosen by God and to her children, whom I love in the truth, and not only I, but also to all who know the truth. So the author identifies himself as the elder. And many scholars would say the author is the disciple John, the beloved disciple, author of the gospel and the first and third John. And it's possible it could be another leader, an elder in the church, writing along the same themes as the gospel writer. But I'm going to refer to the elder as John, the writer, the beloved disciple. And he's writing to the lady and the children. And as the bride of Christ, the church can be referred to in female language. So John may have chosen to call this group of believers the lady, the congregation, and her children the people in the congregation. There are a few other theories, but we can surmise he's writing to believers in a home church. And as we look at this specific letter, we can see this church was in danger of being deceived. The letter is an encouragement and a warning, spurring on the bride of Christ to be all that Jesus intended her to be as the church was taking root and the gospel was spreading. The words of this letter would go on to influence countless generations of believers, of course. It's a short letter with just this one chapter, but the biggest message. There was a lot at stake when these words were written. There were people in their culture that were denying Christ, coming in the flesh, and John wanted to ground them in the truth. But today we have a lot at stake too. It's tempting to walk our own path, to earn, achieve, succeed by whatever means necessary. It's tempting to focus on our own interests and well-being and sometimes neglecting the well-being of those around us. It's tempting to essentially be our own God, accountable only to ourselves. But John knew Jesus and the truth about God And that truth is just as challenging and life-changing for us today as it was for those gathered in those early home churches. We are just as vulnerable and in need of help and encouragement. So scripture is this gift to us as we seek out to live this life of worship and as the writer says, grace, mercy, and peace in the world. So let's read on in verse 2 here. Because of the truth which lives in us and will be with us forever. Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and from Jesus Christ the Father's Son will be with us in truth and love. It has given me great joy to find some of your children walking in the truth just as the Father commanded us. And now, dear lady, I'm not writing you a new command, but one we have had from the beginning. I ask that we love one another. And this is love, that we walk in obedience to his commands. As you have heard from the beginning, his command is that you walk in love. So this passage is a running theme of all of John's writing. It's the billboard message, truth and love. It is central for him. In these six verses, we see truth mentioned five times and love mentioned five times. God himself is mentioned five times, command four times, and walking three times. These will be core, connected ideas in John's message. He's using this 
metaphor, this word of walk. Walk in truth, walk in obedience to the commands, walk in love. In Greek, the word John uses is peripateo. It's a common word used to physically walk or also figuratively to live or to follow, um, similar to how we use the English word walk. And it's a word John has used before, famously in 1 John 1.7. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin— Paul also uses this word walk, peripateo, to give us some vivid description of the Christian walk. And I just found these two instances in Ephesians really helpful as we think about what it means to walk the Christian life. Ephesians 2.10, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works to walk in is the word being used there, which God prepared in advance for us to do, to walk in those good works. And also Ephesians 4.1, as a prisoner for the Lord then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received, to walk in, that same word, peripateo, to live a life worthy, to walk in those ways. So, of course, I don't know why John chose this word walk to encourage and spur on the church, but one interesting thought was that walking was a necessity. There was so much walking in the first century. So today, we have mall walkers in charity walks, in walking tours, in parades. Today, walking is almost a leisure activity, but when Jesus lived, Walking was the standard mode of transportation. Today, we do quite a bit of sitting while we work, while we drive for entertainment. But in the first century, they walked. And walking was serious business. You had to be prepared for the journey. You might be walking for days to get to a particular destination. Maybe the elite or some officials used horses or chariots to get where they needed to go, but the common people walked. And this is why there's a need for foot washing, as we read about in the New Testament. Um, It was a common practice when entering a home, in a wealthy home, someone might wash your feet for you, but if you were a common person, there would be a basin, so you might wash your own feet. But the metaphor of a walk is significant because walking was the lifeblood of existence, so intertwined in what people did all day. So to walk in truth and love is to live out truth and love in your everyday lives. The second and probably more important consideration is the use of walking language in the Old Testament as we think about why John drew upon this idea of walking. In Deuteronomy, Joshua, 1 Kings, Psalms, Jeremiah, we see this command to walk in obedience to God, keeping his commandments. It's a theme and part of God's covenant with Israel. Just for example, Deuteronomy 8, 6. Observe the commands of the Lord your God, walking in obedience to him and revering him. We see this over and over again throughout these books in the Old Testament. Walking in obedience. God had the Israelites walk through the Red Sea to escape slavery He had them walk 40 years to the promised land to learn to obey and not fall away and worship idols. God was teaching his people through a literal walk, 
but he was also teaching them to metaphorically walk in obedience. The message to walk in God's commands was a thread throughout the history of God's people. So what can we learn from this challenge to walk in truth and love as we look closely at 2 John? So I want us to consider a few questions this morning. Number one, who is your guide? So in verse 2 it says, Because of the truth which lives in us and will be with us forever, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and from Jesus Christ, the Father's Son, will be with us in truth and love. We have a guide on the walk. And it's no small promise that God says he will be with us forever. And his character in verse 3 is the giver of grace and mercy and peace. God brings these things on the walk. Have you had a guided walk before? (laughs) A couple of years ago, I had the privilege to visit Berlin. But I do not know German, and I have never even been to Europe. As you can expect, I was pretty dependent on a guide for my walks in the city. I had an amazing guide. I was pretty dependent on her. She knew fluent German. She had previously lived in Berlin. As she led, she could share facts about the city. She knew every historical monument, culturally significant place, and more. I learned so much walking with her. But also, she had this great love for the people there. As we toured, she would converse with new people that we met in the city, and she would connect with old friends that she had from when she lived there. So her love for the people, combined with the facts about the culture and the history of Berlin, made her the perfect guide. God is our perfect guide because he created life and loves all people. It can be tempting to let our lives be guided by our worries and fears, our, the expectations of others or other voices, and God is our good guide, leading us in truth and love. The second question I want us to look at is, where are you walking? As we look at verses 4 and 5, what is the direction God is giving us on the walk? In the Old Testament, there was a covenant between God and people. We will obey the commands, and God will be our faithful God. The direction was to obey the commands. The command to love one another was not new. This was a command of God from all time. And when Jesus came, he brought a new covenant. Because we could not measure up to following the commands. Jesus died because we couldn't do it. And now we walk in the power of the Holy Spirit, and we can head in the right direction in this way of love because of Jesus. So where are we walking? Where are we spending our time and energy? Is it focused on the things of God? Are we listening to his calling in our life? To walk in truth and love, to get directions for life to where we are going, we need to walk with God listening and obeying. The gospel orients our direction. The third question is, who is walking with you? In verse 5, it talks about, I ask that we love one another. How is that going? 
I know in times of my life, I feel like I'm experiencing enduring others. Maybe I just am living alongside others, dealing with others. There are lots of ways that we describe our daily interactions with people that we are on the walk with. And this is real. There are difficult people out there, and we are difficult. But we can love one another because of God and his love for us. And the final question is, why are you walking? And this is love, that we walk in obedience to his commands. As you have heard from the beginning, his command is that you walk in love. Commentator Colin Cruz says the writer is equating the gospel message itself with the Father's command. We see John writing about this in 1 John chapter 3, and this is his command to believe in the name of his son Jesus Christ and to love one another as he's commanded us. There's this joining of believing and then loving as God does. And we also see this powerfully in John's writing in 1 John 4. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we ought to love one another. The love we are to show is born of God's forgiving and redeeming love of us. It only takes a minute or two for us to be self-righteous or judgmental or pessimistic, but when we are reminded of God's love for us, our hearts are softened and we can extend love to others through the Spirit. So we consider this life in Christ a walk. It's a powerful image that I think can stick with us, walking in truth and love. One step after the next, there's a pace to this walk. There's a connection to these steps. One foot takes us forward in truth. The next step necessarily to be love, to move us forward. It's an ongoing dance, truth and love moving together in our lives. The truth of God that illuminates our life and the love of God that can flow out of our lives. And this is the beauty of what John is writing about. For me, a physical walk has become a spiritual discipline. Maybe you started walking more during the pandemic as well. I can now walk to work since becoming a church planter because my new place of work is the YMCA, which is just located up the street from my house. So I can pray and take in the beauty of my neighborhood as I walk to work. And I think a helpful spiritual practice in a walk is considering truth and love as we are on a walk and imagine those flowing in us as we take each step. Well, I want to share an example of someone living in this truth and love rhythm. And her name is Monica. Her life was very difficult. Her husband was violent, cheated on her. Her son had become very rebellious, falling into addiction and the occult. He left the country and he left his faith. But Monica was a woman of prayer. 
She prayed for her family, especially for her son's repentance. She decided to follow her son to continue to pursue him with truth and with prayer. She continued to walk in truth, knowing her family had fallen far from God's standards, but she walked in love as she persisted in prayer and not giving up on her family. Monica's unbelieving husband would eventually come to faith, and Monica's son did return to faith and eventually went on to become one of the most influential church fathers of the Western Church. This is actually the story of Augustine and his praying mother, Monica. And their relationship was restored as well. They lived in the 4th century. In his work, Confessions, he writes about his mother, Monica. She is quoted as saying, Nothing is far from God. What a good reminder for us. Well, a final thought about the walk. The most beautiful part of this walking metaphor is that we learn from the God who walks with his people. Our God is creator, sustainer, redeemer, holy one. Revealed in scripture, we know he is also a God who walks. It's a wonderful picture of the incarnation. From the garden, where God walked with Adam and Eve, to when Jesus came, God with us. Jesus walked along the sea, calling his followers. He walked on water and into the homes of the unloved and the unseen. He walked in truth and love. God was willing to walk with us to save us. And now we live as people who walk in truth and love as we participate in the life of Christ. We die to ourselves and walk in the new life God has given us through Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Cindy. Just bow our heads and invite you to close your eyes. And just to ask, how has the Lord spoken to me this morning through his word? What kind of walk am I on? Where am I headed? And Lord, we pray that the truth of your word would just ring in a deep and profound way with the reality of our life. Lord, for those of us who've been walking and struggling, maybe walking in a sense aimlessly, we pray, Lord, that you would be our compass. The gospel would orient us. And we would say yes to you and follow after you. Lord, for those who are walking through some other kind of difficulty, something really pressing in, maybe something even chasing them, I pray, Lord, that you would hem us in behind and before us on both sides, that you would be our protector and defender and you would deliver us. Whatever, Lord, you would like to prompt for each one of us, we pray now that your Holy Spirit would be our perfect guide. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Y Church Podcast. For more information about the Y Church, check us out online at thewychurch.org.